who better to to speak to uh, about all of this than one person who's been at the forefront of this industry for a very long time, uh, Greg Bailey, co-founder and chairman of Juvenescence. Greg, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Phil. Good to see you. Oh, good to see you again, Greg. And obviously, when we were talking last week uh, in Miami, uh, a very interesting event out there, you were talking about the uh, the difference between the healthcare system and the sick care system. So, so where do you feel we are today with that? Uh, we're in progress. It would be a nice way to say it. I don't think we're there yet. You know, the, the difference right now is clearly the healthcare system is you come in with a disease or a pathology and the physician hopefully has a cure and if not a treatment. And what would be ideal would be the, a complete change in the paradigm, which would be that the physician, uh, the healthcare worker works with you or nutritionist or a fitness person works with you to prevent the disease. And obviously we're looking at an inverted demographic pyramid, which could lead to the next major financial crisis. I mean, there's just not enough money to uh, not enough young people to pay into the system to, to afford the elderly's care. And we're already seeing the, the care of the elderly being compromised. So this is a really important issue. And wouldn't it be fantastic if the people over 65 were in wonderful shape, they could continue to work, they could continue to have a sense of purpose, which we know is very important to their own healthy longevity and participate in society. So this is a big deal. Happily, pharmaceutical companies, because I know that uh, our team has been speaking to uh, people at GSK and AstraZeneca, and they are, are appreciating this opportunity to try and get in front of this with preventative medicine. And the first anti-aging drug that's preventative is on the market today and is supposed to do 100 to 150 billion in sales. So we have a model. So you're talking about uh, Azempic, Wagovi, semaglutides, right? I am. They're not classical anti-aging uh, drugs. You know, they, they basically lower your weight, which would lower your chance of cardiovascular disease, neurological disease, kidney disease. So they're a big, big deal. But it's fantastic for, you know, uh, the company I'm involved with, with, I think, Richard, you're going to speak to later, and David, and that's Juvenescence, because it gives us a working model. You go after a pathology, in their case, it was diabetes, and then you back into prevention. You now know the size of the market. So if one of the drugs works, you're looking at 100 to $150 billion a year. And the market cap goes through the roof. So this is an extraordinary time to invest. And one of my raison d'etre's, you know, purpose in life is to try and convince people that you can invest in biotech. And because it's not that difficult, everybody gets sort of overawed with the science. But, it, you know, you, like any other thing else, you backed a great team and, you know, and you uh, count on them to find interesting opportunities and play it out. I'm sure that most people don't understand generated AI, but you would have been really smart to invest in it two years ago. Absolutely. Well, I think the world is moving fast. And of course, uh, as this is an online session, uh, if you guys have got any questions for us, please feel free to use the uh, Q&A uh, option in your Zoom, and we'll try and address the questions as, as we go along. Uh, Greg, let's just talk a little bit about um, what the uh, Azempic phenomena has actually delivered for the future of what longevity might look like. You know, there's a lot of stuff going through the clinical development phases now. We're seeing longevity drugs at sort of phase 2B, you know, phase 2A, getting into larger studies. Uh, what's going to happen over the next five years, in your opinion? Are we going to see other drugs coming through that are actual pure play longevity? 
Your play longevity is a difficult question. I mean, obviously the Ozempics would go over the Manjaro's, you know, they do it by default, um, you know, by lowering your chance of disease, which is a viable model to live longer, healthy. I mean, so not anyway, denigrating that. I think that, you know, groups that we know of and, and my, our own company, you know, are going after specific pathways that we know are involved in aging. And so in the next five years, you will now see those. The nice thing about that is all of them also generally affect pathology. So we have one that affects a pathway called PI-1, and it is deeply involved in fibrosis. So you go after fibrosis, but we know that people who have a downregulated PI-1 pathway live 10 years longer than their other you know, participants in their culture, which we've seen very specifically. So they're coming, and, and the opportunity is going to be extraordinary. I mean, when you're talking... You know, I think it was um, Macquarie or McKay, uh, that said that this is going to be a trillion dollar industry by the end of the decade. If it's making a trillion dollars a year, you take a PE multiple of 10 or 20, staggering amount of wealth that's going to be created. So this is a sector you can't not invest in. You know, I've done two previous transactions that worked out very successfully. And one was called Metivation, the other one was called Biohaven. Had you invested in the seed round or early round, you would have, if you put in 1% of your net worth, you would have, in 12 years of innovation, you would have tripled your net worth with a 1% investment. With Biohaven, same thing, but the time period was short washes, two and a half, well, three X, three X, dollar 55, uh, 60 cents to $148 in seven years. Mm -hmm. So when it works, it's extraordinary. So as I said, but the odds, you have to do multiple bets or have a, a company with a pipeline. Yeah. And let's let's re reflect on what you mentioned earlier about the regulatory side of things, because obviously the classic model for a biotech is to pursue you know, an orphan disease or, or something that's got clinical un unmet need. Uh, whereas, of course, we've seen uh, as MPEG hit the market and obviously it is addressing a kind of um, not a disease per se. I mean, it's there for diabetes, but there is to mitigate diabetes through through weight gain, which for for a lot of people isn't actually a disease. It's it's more a reflection of their lifestyle. So, do you feel that we're, you know, the industry's fixation on the FDA classifying uh, longevity as uh, or aging as a disease is something that's kind of moved on now that we don't have to worry about that that actually we've got uh, really the background um, momentum now in the industry to get into preventative medicine i won't turn around to show you the scars on my back but i always worry about the regulatory body at times they can be incredibly random as to the decisions they make so i always worry about what they're going to do i think that we are going to see a transition you know, they're very smart people at the regulatory bodies. And, you know, I think that they know about the demographic time bomb. They know about the economic consequences of that. And they know that if you're a healthy 90-year-old, your burden to society is dramatically different than if you've been sick for 10 years or if you have Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. So, you know, those are the ones, you know, so they get it. It's, it's, so I think you, to your point, we are in the midst of a transition uh, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes the regulatory bodies to encompass it. So do you feel, um, let's let's just talk about 
um, how people can participate as investors, Greg, you know, because sure. obviously you've got angels that are getting in super early. Maybe they're part of an investment club. Uh, you've got publicly quoted companies where, of course, they're going via a broker and, and everything in between. And of course, that's a reflection of the juvenescence funding cycle and, and business model as well. So, you know, how would you advise people, let's say, if they're an individual investor, um, not necessarily super high net worth family office person, but somebody's interested? in the space how would you recommend that they get started an interesting model that a friend of mine did that i think is vi viable in this and they created a little gplp with some of their friends and through the limited partnership they got to a quantum where they could you know it was a sort of meaningful number it can be like 100 200 dollars um it doesn't have to be like a million or two million dollars so i think that that's an interesting way if you can sort of put together an investment club you know, if you're five or 10 grand, it's problematic for the company. You have over 300 shareholders, you're a public company by even by default. So um, that's an interesting way to do it. But the key thing, I think most people are, are so frightened of biotech because, you know, I don't understand the science. I don't understand monoclonal antibodies. But as I said, they, they could not by any chance explain to me how AI works. Generated AI, and yet they have no problem investing there. This is very much like mining. You drill a hole. If there's oil or gold there, your company goes up 15x. If there isn't, you go down. The more holes you, draw, you drill, and if you got smart people, the greater your chance of success. So there's a great retrospective study that analyzed our sector over eight years. And they found in a phase two, which is generally the major inflection point, they found that it was 22 to 54% success rate, depending on sector. 22 for oncology and autoimmune, because they're tricky. Um, the autoimmune, the placebo people do well. Uh, the uh, oncology is just tricky, period, because cancer can go into remission. There's all sorts of other uh, elements there. 54% for antibiotics and insulin because it worked in phase one. It's going to work in phase two. Yeah. So that one is easy. But I think one in three is not a crazy number. And it's certainly the model. It meant it was a model at motivation. It was a model at biohaven. You, know, you get multiple drugs. You try to be right on one. And if you're right on one, you get an extraordinary return that I've, I've already show, demonstrated. So... If you can either pick 10 that you think are great or pick a company that you, that has seven or 10 uh, products that are non-correlated, so they're not all based on the same pathway, um, and a great management team, can't stress that enough. Mm -hmm. And a number of the parties when we were first starting out in the anti-aging were focused on getting the best scientist. And what I focused on, because it's my background with the last two companies, is get the best drug developers. Because most of these products come with an extraordinary scientist. What you need is extraordinary drug developers. And so that is the key. Get great drug developers, have a portfolio pipeline or multiple products, try to be right one in three, and you will deliver 100x. Right. So, so, so let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the the juvenescence model then, uh, Greg, if I may, because obviously you're replicating that, but on a slightly larger scale, right? So if we could maybe just talk a little bit about the, the juvenescence model and, and how that's being received by the investors that you're speaking to, be, be very interested to explore that with you. Again, I got a few scars on the back from that. Um, so basically, there's going to be a blurring of the line between nutrition and pharmaceuticals. And the reason for that is this is preventative. And there are an extraordinary number of safe products that uh, are would go a natural path pathway that will modify how you age. Blueberry skins have been researched a lot. Uh, berberine is, a, is a, you know out there as well. So there's lots and lots of things. Mm -hmm. um, the B vitamins have an extraordinary thing, particularly if they're methylated. 
So we have those sort of things. So there's that blurring of the line. That doesn't fit with what I call the biotech mafia, the classic biotech investor. I know drugs, don't understand supplements. I'm giving you zero value for that. But Phil, if you and I were the only ones allowed to sell vitamin D during 2020, during the COVID years, we would have made 10 to $15 billion a year. I mean, the numbers are extraordinary. Obviously, right. lots of people sell D. But if you owned a proprietary product, so that was a, a, you know interesting that they couldn't wrap their head around that, the investors, but they understand drugs. So we at Juvenescence had to bifurcate. We are financing right now our seven drugs. And I said, you want a portfolio. Well, we, if, when we raise this money, it will allow us to add another three or four to get to 10 to, to do the model that I've alluded to, of trying to be right on one, deliver an extraordinary return. Um, we will finance separately the, sub, the supplement side of the business uh, right. in the new year. Because I, I do think, as I said with the vitamin D, if you hit it right, extraordinary. Apple vinegar does a billion a year. Um, so there are products that are transformational. And if you had a product today that I could look you straight in the eye and say, animals that were on this live 13.6% longer than the animals that weren't on it. They're mammals like us. It's ketone, ketones, ketone esters. Mm -hmm. So, and that's on the market. This is a product, you know, that, that has this. There's an educational cycle, which is tricky for the consumer, but these are viable products that will change, truly modify your health and should be billion dollar products. Yeah, I mean, the supplements industry, of course, is uh, is built partly on great marketing, right? But likewise, partly on on great molecules. And of course, we're seeing some very powerful molecules enter the longevity space. Um, so am I right in understanding then, uh, really, Greg, that you're looking at maybe supplements as perhaps uh, a balance with your doing what you're doing in biotech, and you're going to take that perhaps more seriously as a, as a business line next year? Uh, I won't. Uh, speak to what Richard Marshall, the CEO, will say about juvenescence. So he will definitely be able to comment on his perspective on that element. But what I would say is, as you said, I mean, the New England Journal of Medicine published an article last summer, and they said of the 15 supplements they tested, 13 were not what they said. They either right. had a contaminant or they didn't have the right dose. And and there's a couple of good ones there, you know, that, and I have no affiliation with them, but I think that they're very good. What I will say, though, is the way we approached it with our, we have a ketone ester. You can buy it um, on Amazon in the United States and Canada. You can buy it on a company called The Feed in Europe or the UK, and it will put you into ketosis. And we brought pharmaceutical rigor to that. So I can tell you within 15 to 30 minutes of you taking it, you will be in ketosis. You'll be there for three to six hours and not mild ketosis. You can be in full ketosis as long as you take the right dose. So this is a real product that increases the efficiency of your heart, prevents neurological damage. And uh, in, the in the mammal models that of UC Davis, they live longer, 13.6%. So there's that. And, and, and the key thing is, because we're a pharmaceutical company, we have to bring pharmaceutical rigor. So we have to run the clinical trials to know that what we say. And if we found we ran a clinical trial and what we thought was inaccurate, we will take the product off the market because we are all about building credibility that you will be comfortable and all the other people who are listening in taking this product for 30 years, knowing it's going to deliver. Yeah. And happily, we have biological clocks to validate that they are indeed working.
Very interesting. So, the, I mean, obviously, I, I looked at the Juvenescence website just before we, we we joined the call today. And of course, you know, you're a classic biotech sharing your pipeline, but you've also got a store on your website. So it's quite a quite an interesting hybrid model that, that you're you're running there. So maybe, uh, Greg, I know we're going to be speaking with Richard later today, but what, is, what do you see 2024, maybe 2025 happening with Juvenescence? Are we going to see some some actual action in the clinic? You know, what what, what can we see happening next year, maybe? We, we hope to have uh, three to five products um, that all of them uh, have an underlying pathology. So we can go conventional regulatory you know, thing. We're not going to be blazing the, the trail without, you know, trying to convince the world. And but all of them are preventative. Definitively, if you took them earlier, you would prevent disease right. um, and thereby slow aging. Some of them actually are directly involved in aging. One of them is <clears throat> very unusual in that it has the potential to prevent Alzheimer's disease, you know, or at least I shouldn't say prevent, dramatically lower your incidence from potentially at 85. If you are not on, if you have a low element of this, you have 65% of Alzheimer's. If you have a high element of or 60% at 85, and if you are high in this plasmologens, <clears throat> you have a 10% chance. That's a heck of a delta success. Mm -hmm. So. And that's going to be huge as far as modifying how we age. So I think really you're going to see all of those coming to into clinical trial, beginning to validate, you know, the models. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a really exciting year. I think it's a transitional year. And I'm investing personally on the same terms as the, the investors coming in in this round. I'm investing a substantial amount of my net wealth, wealth into it because I think we're at that inflection point, which is the very same thing I did at Biohaven. You know, there was a major point where I, stepped up my investment great well wonderful to hear Wonderful to hear, Greg. So, um, uh, we're as you heard at the beginning, we're on a bit of a tight deadline today. So, we're, we're going to move on to the rest of the agenda. But really, thanks for joining us today, Greg. Lovely to see you again. Good to see you, Phil. And this podcast was brought to you by Master Investor. For more investment and economics analysis, please visit masterinvestor.co.uk.